Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. All right, welcome on to our second public dunkton episode of the week. And I want to bring in friend of the program, a, an old friend of mine. We were back in the trenches together at Sports Business Classroom in the early days. It's now really grown to become really even something beyond what we envisioned at first. And that is Eric Pincus. How you doing, man? Oh, doing well. Thanks for having me on, Nate. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously you're are you the the second person who started doing a lot of cap stuff in the, in the public sphere obviously larry is the og uh <laughs> you're kind of like his first protege I, I guess in the uh in the public sphere i mean th- there's a lot of people that you know go back far i mean a guy named mark deeks is still out there doing his thing there were a lot oh of yeah people. yeah i i just enjoyed that aspect of it uh if, if you're if you're writing about a team which i, I write out of los angeles so typically I'd be covering the Lakers or the Clippers. If you have a fan base that's eager to see their team get better, there has to be a way to do that. And that involved the 29 other teams. And so understanding that became sort of where my focus became. How, how, what are the rules? How do they work? And that led to me really eventually becoming, I guess, you know, pretty good at you know understanding the cap, I guess you could say. Yeah. And, and your salary databases that basketball insiders were obviously invaluable for my work for a long time. So we got a lot to talk CBA wise here. And I think where I want to start is discussing the potential for a new TV deal. Of course, the one that came in for the 16-17 season is one that totally roiled the league. There was this massive cap jump as a result of that. They just about doubled, maybe a little bit more than that, their national TV revenue. I think it went from like 900 bill or a million to like two 2.1 billion in the first year so they just about doubled it um i don't think they're gonna get quite that level of improvement this time around but it should be a pretty significant jump pretty much everyone thinks that so how do you think that if that does happen when it comes in just generally what is the relationship between the national tv deal and the cap because obviously you know that's going to increase basketball related income so how does the cap generally move when you get one of these tv deal increases that that's a, a good question uh, specifically because um we have a new leader of the players association uh, tamika Chimag- I've, I've never actually said it out loud tamika chamaglio is that how you say it i don't think i've ever said it uh, i have the same problem with you actually yeah i mean it's it's uh because we we are reading focus people so uh yeah i might have to actually like talk to someone in person to find find that out right <laughs> and cj cj mccullum is now in charge of the players union as opposed to chris paul 
But back in 2016, it was Michelle Roberts, who I think her tenure and Chris's tenure is very successful. But if there's one element uh, of Michelle Roberts, who was very new on the job at the time, that I quibble with is that she didn't embrace cap smoothing, which is a way of artificially lowering the cap so that it doesn't create the problems that we have. And in 2016, that's how KD got to the Warriors. And if you are a Warriors fan, cool. Uh, But beyond KD and, and the explosiveness of what that was, you also had massive contracts tracks that teams are still burdened by, like Luol Deng, uh, Joachim Noah, and you know, I could probably spend the next 45 minutes. That's right. That's up. right. The sour, I forgot. You know, I, I was celebrating that what we called them the sour 16s uh, on this program, all those crazy contracts that got signed in the summer of 2016, but they're not actually all off the books. You make a great point there. I forgot <laughs> that they still live on because well, some this of should them got be stretched. I, I think uh, yeah, Deng and, and Noah are, are the, I think the big ones left, but uh no, what money. about uh, what about Batum? Batum has one more year. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, because they that that was an interesting stretch uh, that Charlotte did. But yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So wow, goodness. that's amazing. Uh, that's amazing. That I mean, it's gonna be uh, an, a s- seven years. Yeah, that's just absolutely crazy that right. that. But but anyway, you're starting to say how the not smoothing the cap, which would have been artificially limiting the increase. Uh, how that ended up really uh, affecting the league and you know i would say at least a, a negative way both for teams and players yeah i mean because if you have let, let's just say it's 450 players uh, not including the two ways and uh you have a choice of giving money to all 450 players or just the 60 90 100 whatever who happen to be free agents that's more or less how it went although uh daryl Morey got creative and did a a, a restructure uh, of james harden's deal so like there were other ways to spend that money but by and large it was misspent on the players who were lucky enough to be free agents that year and so you know they missed the boat it's done you can't go back uh but michelle definitely embraced cap smoothing when the pandemic hit which is when the money completely fell out you know there there was no one in attendance etc etc and so what they did is they made sure that the cap didn't drop artificially low which is wise just like cap smoothing it when it goes up too high too fast is wise as well so i do think if there is a massive influx or uh maybe it won't be as massive as as it was and, and that's very hard to say but I think that that cap smoothing will have more legs because they I think they see and understand the value of it uh, with experience. And again, I don't I think Michelle's tenure was great. I just think you know, there was a lack of trust at that point between her and Adam Silver because it hadn't been built. And they built a very solid base of trust that we got through the pandemic uh, relatively successfully. I mean, we could quibble over over things, but. The, oh, the least, I think they did a great job. I, I don't really have much to quibble about at all, honestly. Like, I, I, I mean, did, what even comes to mind for you is like a small thing. I thought they did a fantastic <laughs> job compared to like, you know, baseball or football where you have like this huge decline in the cap that's messing up the league. Like it basically, I mean, in terms of just like the nature of offseason transactions and trades and all that, it was basically business as usual, which I think everyone should be lauded for. Yeah, no, for sure. And like they've got cap smoothing in right now uh, in that the cap can can't jump it can't drop lower it'll climb by three percent minimum so they've locked in growth even if it's not earned and then there's a cap on the growth to ten percent uh, uh year to year so i could see you know, as as a new tv deal comes in and then also with a new collective bargaining agreement that cap smoothing maybe becomes systemized uh because it does have value and i think that's
that's maybe something that we learned from that. And, you know, it's funny because if you go back like three or four years, I, I had a lot of people with teams talking to me saying like, I'm not sure, you know, ratings are down. Um, the next TV deal, maybe we, you know, we're going to see a, a, a pretty big drop. And, and I talked to a lot of people who are afraid of that. And I, I don't really hear that much anymore. I think that's kind of maybe a, a you know, it was a fear, but I think you know, things like, you know, streaming services um, like Amazon and um, obviously, well, Disney, Disney Plus is already a partner with League as, as is Warner Media. I, that's actually my bosses. Uh, I'm cousins with TNT and NBA TV through Bleacher Report. Uh, they're in the streaming business as well. Um, there's, I mean, I mean, it could be something crazy like Funimation, which is like a, a, a an anime service. You know, like we don't know which one. I, it could be gambling related. Uh, where does the money come from? Who buys into this? And then who puts that kind of pressure on Disney and Warner to pay more? And so we'll have to wait and see. I don't think we're going to, you know, the world has changed so much because if you go back five, six, ten years, uh, TV numbers, that the TV audience in general has shrunk. I mean, if you go back really far, like 30, 40 years, then it would be like millions, 30, 40 million people or hundreds of everyone would watch yeah. the, the same channel. Now it's all spread out. So uh, I think there were some fears. I think those fears have been allayed and, and that we will see an increase. I don't think it'll be like it was in 2016. Uh, but I think that the, the, the union and the league will agree to uh, massaging it uh, with cap smoothing in a way that we don't get that kind of shock to the system. Yeah, a couple points uh, on this idea of what the next TV deal is going to be. I mean, you make a great point that the viewing audience is so much more fragmented now. And a lot of people are like, oh, who cares what the ratings are? Well, we care because that determines what the cap's going to be and what the transactions are going to be and what our league's going to look like. So that's that's why I care about that. But yeah, even with declining ratings, at least live sports are not declining as much as anything else. And furthermore, basically anything else, it, you don't have to watch it live. So you can just skip the commercials, even even if it is a, a, on TV. So I, I think that's a huge aspect of, of this, that it's probably going to increase a, a little bit. Um, another thing to remember, too, is you know this TV deal was noted as it starts at, at $2 billion a year. But that actually they had increases on a per year basis already baked into that over the last what i guess it's eight years of that deal nine years i think the 25 26 season is when the new tv deal would kick in so you it was still steadily increasing throughout them that was a big part of some of the cap increases that we have so while the overall package and the average was a certain amount it started low and then it increased by you know a couple hundred million uh per season o over the course of the deal maybe even more than that i think um and then finally you make a great point that you know it's not necessarily okay here's what the ratings are this is it's just going to be linear how much money can they make off of it that's going to determine that's obviously a big deal but then also are there going to be other partners coming in right like it's just like buying the clippers for example like the clippers weren't quote-unquote worth what steve ballmer paid donald serling but you get into a bidding war and somebody wants it and you know they feel like it's going to be a good flagship and so they get it so regardless of what it is what is just generally I mean, obviously it can vary because there are other sources of income but generally what percentage of the pie is that national tv deal what has that been historically for the nba i don't have the number in front of me but it's basically most i mean it's the largest it's the lion's share it's why it, everything worked and we survived uh the you know the shutdown because we still had tv it's why uh the the, the christmas day game is so important and why yeah. um, after the bubble season why things moved up and and 
there's a lot of snarkiness and like oh the the networks are running the league well like when you don't have fans for a full year like someone's gonna have to pay you to, to work right we're all sort of trying to earn money right we that's part of it's, it's not for free and these players happen to be very well paid and the et cetera, et cetera. you know we're not going to get into the whole business of like guys shouldn't earn for what they do it's ridiculous these are the best athletes in the world and so you need someone to foot the bill and it like revenue dropped from like what it was supposed to be about eight and it dropped to about six uh so most of that six was uh the network so maybe it was in the five million range and then you also had the local networks which is a whole nother thing and uh it that also affects uh, impacts uh basketball related income so what happens is the more you know, the more money you make as a league, that money gets distributed to the teams. As far as the the TV deal, they get each get a share. Uh, it's why uh, teams tend to not want expansion because uh, it it means that they get a smaller piece of the pie. You, you get cash like a let's say someone wanted to buy in and it was a two billion dollar buy in, uh, and you brought in two teams and brought four billion dollars into the league, and maybe the league the, the NBA itself keeps a, a share or not a share but a portion of it, and then that gets split up the rest thirty or. 29, well, I guess, yeah, 30 ways. Everyone else gets that money. You get a lot of money right up front, uh, but you are losing a piece of that pie. And so, you know, the pie grows uh, as it is with 30 teams with a huge uh, influx of money and the cap goes up and the players basically are beholden to get 50%. It might be 49 or 51, but let's call it 50%. They're going to get half of that money. So it, it, it is the most important thing. And you know, as far as money, because it, you know, that's what, what's paying for the league outside of the fans and all that. And so, uh, yeah, I, I, I think this is this is a huge question but as you said it's it, it isn't it isn't yet and the, the new CBA itself we have really what we have like nine months until the league and the union have to decide if they're going to opt out of the current deal uh, which ends after next season so next season's 2223 uh, or it they, they keep it the deal and it ends one year after that and so uh, regardless both of those are before the new TV deal and they're not going to have an answer as to what that money will be so they'll kind of have to in at least in my opinion pre-bake in a mechanism to uh, some level of smoothing to make sure that we don't have that kind of craziness of 2016. You know, it's an interesting point that from a temporal standpoint, it was the opposite last time. You had the new TV deal got negotiated. I think it was like September 2014 that it came out what that was going to be. It was going to kick in uh, two years later, basically in the fall of 2016. And then you had the CBA expiring in the summer of 2017. So you already had this golden goose had laid the egg and now nobody wanted to fuck that up, right? Because <laughs> they had all this money that was coming in. And yeah, you know what? The players, maybe they would have thought, okay, after 2011, we, we took a haircut to go from 57% revenue to 50. And, you know, we want to claw some of that back. But then everything just went up so much. They're like, hey, you know what? Like, it's not really worth it here. It'll be different order this time where you're going to get the new TV deal after the new CBA. And so maybe that could change some of the dynamics in the negotiation. But I'm relatively confident that they're going to get something done because a they've had a really really good working relationship so far to get through some of these stresses that we've seen have really been problems for some of the other uh leagues 
you know, you haven't even had these issues where, like in baseball, where they just had the new CBA, all the people on the executive committee voted against the deal and the player reps voted for it. You don't have this thing in the NFL where it was very contentious and some players were very much against it. Like the union has had like pretty good unity among its membership, which you can't always say. So that's like, that's important. Um, You know, it seems like even the other thing too is the way it is right now, unless you're going to spend so deep into the luxury tax, you basically have a guaranteed profit every year as an owner. And so it doesn't, and then finally system issues, which we'll talk about in a second here. It doesn't really seem to me like there's anything that's like really burning anybody where it's like, oh, this is some massive system issue. Like if you go back to like the 99 lockout and the max salary or obviously the BRI split, you know, I mean, there hasn't been any noise about that anything major needs to change like that you know the owners will every once in a while say oh it'd be great if we had a hard cap but there's ultimately they're they still have guaranteed profits they don't need a hard cap so uh and also a hard cap would you know put us out of a job as cap analysts so i hope it doesn't happen (laughs) personally (laughs) man it is crazy to think that i've been working with helix sleep since 2015 and i think that's because my story with them seems to really resonate with listeners if you've never heard it before that was kind of the beginning of the direct-to-consumer boom and there was another very prominent mattress company at that time that was trying to convince you that mattresses were one size fits all they found the one formula the one mattress that was going to work for everyone my then girlfriend now wife and i ordered that mattress we ended up having to return it because hey guess what not everyone is the same and then she did some more research and found helix sleep we took their sleep quiz and we found a mattress that actually worked for us and our body types and uh, helix offers 20 unique mattresses everybody sleeps differently and helix mattresses are designed for specific sleep positions and field preferences hot or cold side sleeper back sleeper so take that helix sleep quiz find your perfect mattress in under two minutes and it's shipped straight to your door, free of charge. It's no risk because you really need to sleep on the mattress in your own home. You're like, well, how should I order this if I can't sleep? I'm like, yeah, you're not going to learn anything by going to the mattress store and sleeping on the mattress where do I take my shoes off? Do I leave my shoes on? But then my feet kind of hang off the bed because I don't want to put my shoes on the bed. And is it weird that I'm laying here for more than 30 seconds? You can't tell anything under those circumstances. You might as well just order it, get it sent to your house get that 100 night trial they're 10 to 15 year warranty depending on the model and there's never been a better time to try a helix sleep mattress because they are offering 20 percent off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash capspace easier slash capspace we talk about all the time here on the program that's helixsleep.com slash capspace this is their best offer yet i can attest to that since i've been working with them for nine years and it won't last long with helix better sleep starts now don't forget that slash capspace url to let them know that you came from us man i just love american giant just an amazing clothing company i was reminded again of how much i love it when i drove from california to montana over the all-star break and you know what it's like when you're on a long road trip and it's cold particularly when it starts off warm in the bay and then we get into some really cold areas you're like well i don't want to wear like my jacket in the car but then i get out to fill gas I'm going to be freezing, but the American Giant hoodie was perfect because despite being made out of a nice 
heavy material that'll keep you warm. It's not too hot as well. So I was able to wear it in the car, not be too hot, step out of the car and still be warm enough when I was filling up gas or going into a restaurant or something that I didn't feel like I needed my jacket, even when it was cold outside. These things are amazingly durable. I proposed to my wife wearing an American Giant hoodie in the Grand Canyon almost seven years ago. I still own that same hoodie. I still wear it constantly. And American Giant has since spread out into all sorts uh, of other types of clothing like their premium slub crew tee the no bs high-rise pant the slim roughneck pant featured in giant magazine issue two every american giant piece is made in america and designed to last no exceptions and it provides year-round comfort so find a closet staple for every part of your spring days at american-giant.com and get 20 percent off your first order when you use that finger code capspace at checkout you remember we talk about capspace all the time here on the program that's 20 percent off your first order at american-giant.com don't forget that cap space code to let them know you came from us but yeah so that's a, a good thing to talk about though i mean if you either in your conversations or just ideas that you've had as we look at this potential next CBA, are there anything that come to mind that are going to be issues or changes that you think could or should be made? Well, there's definitely some issues. Um, I, again, I agree with you that like, I don't think, I think there's just too much money. The players are getting too much uh, for them to, I mean, the, the it's tremendous the amount of revenue that players are getting and you don't want to mess that up now. Uh, and while there are issues, there's nothing worse sacrificing that kind of money that's coming in where, where the league was when david stern was in charge i mean if you go back far enough to like games weren't even aired live right and they were on tape delay and then gradually you had you know magic and bird and you had jordan and you had the international interest in the game and dream team and all that and stern oversaw so much of that and so the league grew in such a way that yeah you you mentioned the clippers don sterling bought uh the clippers for like you know 50 bucks or you know like what was it 200 million or 300 million, something like that. but he, <laughs> no you know, it was he, way he, less than that it was Probably was it like, 20, 30 you know, million? Was it? I forget what it was. Yeah, it was like, I, I think it, I'll, I'll look that up when we're talking. Yeah, I'm it's guessing it's going to be less than, yeah. than, uh, than right, 10. Because, yeah, because 200, 300 million was like outrageous at the time when teams were worth that amount, let alone what they are, 2 billion. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's been so long that yeah. I... He paid he paid twelve million bucks for that. Okay, there you go. Right. Uh, so I thought, yeah, in the like early twenty 80s. million is what sounded like twenty million would be like a good you know a good franchise or a better franchise, right? Like the valuations have gone insane, and so it, it kind of touches on on one of the issues that the the players will be fighting for. Now I don't think they're going to get what they're going to fight for, uh, but that's an aspect that they don't have any uh, stake in. They don't have they don't benefit from the growth in valuation uh, of these franchises and the owners do so uh yes they get paid and, and it's a complex issue because how would you like players are in the league maybe an average of five years some are in the league like 20 maybe like you know you have your lebrons and your duncans and your dirks and your kobe's and and a few others or if you go back far enough kareem was in the league a long time but most guys are in the league like five ten years uh so how does that work do they have ownership how, how do you quantify that and, and i think it would probably be the players association itself would have some sort of ownership stake where they can benefit from the from the gains but that's the problem there is that um it's paper gain like if a, if a franchise is worth uh let's say 500 million and then several years later is worth 2 billion uh it's not worth that until you sell it it's only worth that in paper and so how do you right. turn that into money that the players can earn and how does that impact a salary cap right so they, the players would get the money through the salary cap going up i i just don't see how the owners in any way shape or form would entertain that but that is the the area that the 
players union is going to attack at least under my understanding under michelle that was always sort of like the golden goose that they were always after i i don't under new leadership maybe that's not the priority i i imagine they're probably going to follow the same through lines as before so that's kind of the bigger thing the well well, quickly let me let me react to that before you move on to the next thing uh yeah michelle said in an interview after she left that that was the one hope that her one regret is that they didn't figure out a way and her idea was that there could be some way for players to almost accept some of their compensation as equity in the teams and that they could grow to be you know a 20 percent stake or something like that but then how do you distribute that between players you have the issue of you know all right if i play two years i get you know 0.2 percent of this team after that and then you know i i can't really sell that you know it's not liquid nobody's really going to want to buy 0.2 percent of the team at the same valuation as the overall team so i just don't know how practical that is which i think you're alluding to as well and i think and ultimately also the owners aren't necessarily going to do that but it is difficult because as i was talking about you can get you know the this the value of the business is not simply okay here's what the future revenue is right if that were the case and the revenues were more closely tied to team values then you know who cares for the players right but the team values because of some of the tax advantages that you have and just there are only so many of these and billionaires you know want to have this showpiece and want to have something that you know makes them look cool their friends or whatever that the value goes up faster really than the revenues have and so the players can't share in that but i'm just i'm not sure exactly what mechanism could exist regard that would even be fair to the players regardless uh or not even to speak about the fact that the owners wouldn't want to have that happen and aren't going to agree to it so right that, that's my that, thought on that was yeah go ahead well the, if you go back to the the argument at the time of of the the last couple of cbas specifically uh the 2011 where we had the the revenue drop from 57 to the players to about 50 and the argument was real that the, the teams were losing money a lot of them maybe 20-ish or, or I don't know the exact number but most of them were yeah I, I mean I I never bought that frankly when you throw in also I, I mean all right paper losses yes but when you throw in the accounting and like the amortization of the salaries sure, sure. but that's my and that's, and all that stuff but yeah I mean that was like yeah. they were they now had, they can't even show it on paper right well, <laughs> like now they don't even have that anymore right right but there were there were operating losses that were real now when you talk about the bigger picture which is of course what the union was going to do they might be losing if they're losing money which they didn't even agree to but if they're losing operating uh you know they're operating at a loss year after year but the loss is like you know nothing compared to the valuation increase and so the owners are like no we want to also make money year to year and also gain that appreciation and value and that that's that's the area that that hasn't been solved and i don't think it's going to be solved because i don't think that's what like buying a a sports franchise specifically an nba team is an investment that typically outperforms like the stock market you know i mean like it's it's a it's a good investment because uh at least in, in in the last 10 years or whatever the growth has been exponential. I mean, Sterling bought it in what, like eighty-ish? I forget eighty. I forget what yeah, year that was. Yeah, or it was like so, eighty-one. Right. So, yeah. like, I mean, that that's it's an incredible investment for, and and you want your investments to do two things. You want to bring in money year to year, and you want it to grow overall. And I don't see owners giving that up. And yeah, the players can go after it all they want. Uh, and maybe they're going after it not because they want to get it, but because they want something else, and that's what they concede. And that it's always sort of a give and take the negotiation 
situation. But again, to your main thing, I don't think there's some outrageous issue that uh, is going to bring this thing to a halt. But we, we, we can get into some of the more practical issues of like, well, Ben Simmons didn't show up and the refused to play. Uh, we could talk about James Harden and how he forced his way out of two teams in the last uh, couple of years. Uh, and uh, on the other side of the coin, technically the Sixers, and we could debate this, but from the position of Ben Simmons, the, the Sixers breached his contract. Now, they would say that he breached their contract, so it's, it's, it's going to go to arbitration and they'll figure it out. But yeah. my main well, thing yeah, let's, is... Yeah, let's, uh, let's start with the Ben Simmons thing, because I think that's, that is something where... And now that's going to go to arbitration. We'll see what happens. I believe it that he actually was required to file that arbitration already because the Sixers weren't paying him and he was withholding services. We don't need to necessarily get into what they... Well, maybe we should. Maybe we should get into their chances of success. What do you think uh, Ben Simmons' chances are of getting his money back? Well, so he went to Philadelphia recently uh, as as a guest. Not as a guest, as, a, as a, an opponent. But he, he's not playing right now. So to me, they were just gathering material to present on why... This was a harmful environment for him, and, and there, in my opinion, are going to play up a lot of the mental health issues, which is a very abstract thing that is you know hard to prove. It's not like um, you know a black and white. Uh, this is 100% uh, visible to the naked eye. It's it's a more sensitive issue and one that they're going to lean into because that's something they believe. And if you are cynical and you don't think they believe that, and they're just using it as a, a, a technique, then believe what you want. If that's true, it's, then that's true. It doesn't matter what is true. What matters is is what the arbiter believes and agrees with and so i do think there'll be some level of compromise um obviously he's going to get all the money that he's owed since the trade from the nets uh there's going to be some level of argument that um you know that he should get the money and that it was a mental health issue and et cetera, et cetera. and and they'll argue fine but they'll they'll show how he didn't participate in things and da, 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 da. and then they'll say well i couldn't participate because of the mental health issues etc i don't know how it'll work out i do think they'll find uh it won't be a 50-50 split where he'll get half his money. Someone will get a little bit more, someone will get a little bit less, but he'll get some of it back. And Well, so not- are you thinking that it would happen as part of a settlement, or if it actually does go to arbitration, that's no, how I mean, the arbitrator it's, it's, would rule? It's not like, um, it's not as it's not similar to, it's different than like the, the real world, where uh, most cases uh, settle before you go to an actual court. This is like, you're going to agree to arbitration, it'll go to arbitration, and the arbiter will make a decision, and the money, whatever, it'll, it'll just, it go, it, it's less of a settle out of court type of thing. Um, typically, arbitration is a, a means to, uh, instead of going to court, like agreeing, it, it, it is in a way a settlement. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the CBA says they have to arbitrate it. Like there's right. no, I mean, they could they could go to court after the arbitration award, but you, those, it's right. very, very difficult to get but a court it, to overturn an arbitration right. award. So yeah, my point is, is, it's not like the real world where most things get settled out of court. This will go to arbitration, they'll resolve it. And I think that he'll get a certain portion of his money back. Is that going to be 25%? 75%, 50%. If I had to guess, you know, in the in the in the 30 to 40% range, you know, just that's just my feeling and I don't think it's based on anything more than that. Um but I think that, you know, when we start talking about well, what do you do to fix this in the CBA because this issue is going to come well, up. Well, well quickly, let, let me give my prediction on what's going to happen. I I think that the Sixers and also the NBA are going to be very, very concerned about making sure that he gets zero. And so that, so I think they are going to fight it really hard, whether they're going to win or not. I'm not sure, but I, I would imagine. And again, you know, 
none of us can be sure when someone says they're having mental health issues and you know obviously we haven't heard anything about ben simmons like having any mental reservations about playing in brooklyn that's been a a physical issue so that hurts his argument a little bit but he's gonna say hey you know what like just in philly there's such a toxic work environment and the fans and all that and i just couldn't perform him you know that may be true that might not be i mean i have my opinion that it's probably not just because you know we didn't hear the mental health thing for until we were six months into this saga um right. you know there are a bunch of other things that were said first and then they finally figured that out it's like okay here's maybe how we can get him paid but the bigger problem is if you are having legitimate issues and this is whether it's physical or mental and to where you cannot provide playing services it is incumbent upon you to go through a certain process right like if your back is injured you have to see the team physician you have to like right. get treatment from the trainer you have to actually like inform the team about what's going on and have them help you get better and also like actually show that you are trying to get back to the point where you can render playing services again as required under your contract and there's really no evidence that i'm aware of that he did any of that stuff and there's been some reporting out of philly that you know he didn't never saw their doctor and didn't provide them with any reports on what was going on with the doctor that he was seeing and all that so regardless of whether it's true or not he didn't at least the available evidence right now indicates he didn't go through that process and so i think he's going to have a very difficult argument to make and then you also throw in that like if he gets his money in this situation basically anybody could withhold playing services and get paid at this point which is would be a major problem for the league which i think (laughs) you're going to start to get into right right and and i think if there's so there's no solution of someone just simply not following the rules right like so if you change the cba and you change the rules and that player just ignores the rules as simmons basically is done and if from the perspective of simmons and his people the sixers neglected to do their obligation of giving him his advance that he was supposed to get they outright again from their point of view outright broke the rules then what changing the rules doesn't matter because neither side is obeying that that's one point of view but um obviously they're going to try the other point of view is he said he wasn't going to fulfill the contract and so it's anticipatory breach and so he shouldn't like they were within their rights not to pay him when it was futile because they knew already he wasn't going to fulfill the contract and And and, so if the arbiter agrees with that that and 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 it's more likely than not they see see it that way more that way i don't know about 100 percent that way but more that way and uh i do think though kind of to to your point because like if you have a, a mental health issue you could say that the mental health issue uh, prevented me from following what was prescribed by what I was supposed to do, right? Like, this is what I was supposed to do. Yeah. I had a mental block that I couldn't. And so what I do think is that there there may be some level of uh, language in the new CBA that addresses how a player needs, what what is the protocols that they need to take on how to handle this sort of issue? If, if there's a mental health yeah. issue, and it's similar to a fitness to play panel, which is something that uh, evolved uh, really through the Chris Bosch type situation where you have a, a player who is medically forced to retire, wants to come back, and they review the medicals and they decide it's not, you know, even though the player believes it's and he's willing to assume the risk, et cetera, et cetera, you might have a team willing to pay him, but the league can say, no, we, we feel this is too dangerous for the player and we're going to have a broader view of, of safety and not, not take this risk. Obviously, they don't want a player passing away and certainly not passing away in a public 
uh, you know, in a game would be, you know, it's, it's, it's a nightmare. The, the compounding, you know, the tragedy in and of itself to yeah. also have that. So, you know. so you're saying that there might be some sort of an independent panel in situations where players say that they are not mentally ready to play. I mean, it's interesting because usually it, previously, like you were talking about the fitness to play, it's the player arguing you can play and, you know, the independent panel saying, yeah, maybe you can't. This is kind of the opposite situation. But I, I think that might be a fair way of dealing with this because you know that maybe the player association would agree to but I, I do think there has to be more clarity right because i think when i looked at the cpa it basically said whether the player has reasonable excuse to withhold playing services right i mean that and that's not really defined right. maybe you can enlighten me if you've looked into <laughs> it more deeply but it just you know reasonable excuse like what the hell is that right is did ben simmons have a reasonable excuse or not that's to have more of a process to determine that i think would be useful right so obviously there's there's the CBA, there's the um, the bylaws, the Constitution bylaws is the operations manual. The operations manual has a little bit more of the like procedural kind of, and those change those don't have to change uh, in agreement with the union. So there's some latitude that the league has where they can kind of uh, adjust it a little bit. But anything that's really serious like this, which this is, anything that's hard to define and and you know we, we the world changed just like I mean how much were we talking about mental health issues in the 80s 90s uh before the you know before the century like it 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 existed it was discussed but not in the same way that it is in the last 10 years the last five years we have greater understanding uh players have come out like kevin love and and uh paul george and several others talking about uh you know their how hard it is to do what what it is they do and and it's easy to say well it should be easy because you're getting x million dollars to do so but that's that's not real life you know like money I, i grew up in in an area with a lot of wealthy friends who uh many of them had a lot of issues that um, you know were very it didn't matter how wealthy they were. In fact, sometimes the wealthier <laughs> they were, the the you know the more difficult their experiences were. And so um, I, I do think it needs to be spelled out. Like again, my main point is is like there's nothing to legislate in the, in the CBA to say change the rules to make sure that this never happens again because there are rules in the CBA and they're ignoring them on some level. Now they could after the fact kind of you're kind of suggesting maybe if if some if he didn't follow the procedures that he should have and if the mental health issue is is more of a reactionary kind of like how can we get around the rules fine but like there's always going to be a way to kind of lawyer through the uh, the words in a cba because it's all written down and uh if you're not really you know and and it kind of gets to another topic that we can kind of maybe get into is is the tampering kind of issue it's like we have rules they don't get followed can you legislate through them to make Make people follow them? Probably not. But I think maybe a fitness to play, an expansion maybe of fitness to play to uh, mental health issues and a protocol, a set protocol agreed to by both sides. It's not going to solve this, but at least it could help in some way. Anyone who's seen our YouTube videos knows that I don't wear formal stuff all the time. So when it's time to dress up rather than dress down, I highly recommend Inochino. They were the official outfitter of my wedding. I got my tux from there. All my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well. I felt really good about having them be the outfitter of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly. Because when you go somewhere else, you're not going to get something that's made for you. So why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor 
for you. And not only does Indochino have the suits that made them famous, but now they've got everything. Blazers, pants, women's wear, outerwear, designed and made for you. Hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from. European wools, linen, cottons, tons of colors, tons of patterns. You can customize things like the lapel, the vents, the pockets, and you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. Level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com. Use the code CAPSPACE. Use the CAPSPACE. We talk about all the time here on the program. You get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino. I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O. Indochino.com. And don't forget that CAPSPACE code to let them know that you came from us. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Well, also, you know, there is a tried and true playbook. As you mentioned, James Harden has followed it twice in the last year of a way you know i think ben simmons is a pretty unique and this will actually come up in tampering too right where like james harden all you need is plausible deniability like he pretty clearly quit on the rockets and then quit on the nets but he did it to the point where they couldn't say oh you know i guess this hamstring is bothering him or hey you know what all right i only scored four points against sacramento but i was out there right so generally that's been the playbook for these guys that want to get out of here and still get paid and hey you know what it works right i mean i think ben simmons was a unique case where he just for whatever reason couldn't deal with being in that environment to where he could follow that playbook even but i think most players will be able to kind of follow that and get to where they want to go in the end uh and then because you have that plausible deniability and then i think for the tampering it's kind of the same way for me where all right you know we're never going to completely eliminate tampering like, it's just not going to be possible okay you you allow it to be legal a few days earlier then okay then th- they'll go earlier and earlier right and so you just have to kind of to me and maybe you feel differently you just have to like enforce it just enough that it doesn't get so crazy that there's like crazy tampering in the middle of a season which is you know kind of what happened with james hart a little bit too so what are your thoughts on like the way the league is enforced tampering if there is a way to change that and i'm not talking about tampering of like oh yeah two days before free agency they had a deal like i I don't care about that right that doesn't affect anything what it affects is the sixers letting james harden know through back channels that he had an out if he decided to quit on the brooklyn nuts right i mean it's hardly it's barely even back channels at this point you know what i mean it's kind of like yeah yeah i i I don't i I guess if we kind of bring back to our point of like uh michelle wanting to get that sort of ownership stake for the players on the owner side wanting to prevent players superstars specifically from bullying their way in and out of franchises is is that like that's something that the owners would love to legislate more and again it it becomes really hard and and if we look at the history of the nba like wilt force wilt chamberlain forced trades kareem didn't want to be in 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 milwaukee anymore and it's the nature of basketball like these guys have too much power i mean which i think is should be the case because they're the ones driving the economics of the league right i mean like they even if they have a guaranteed contract for a long time they have the power where okay i can just you know play 80 percent effort for a couple of weeks and 
hey, you know what? You're not going to benefit from having me as well, so you might as well trade me. Right. And in, 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 in any given generation of players, maybe there's, we could debate the number, five to ten that are going to alone give you a chance to win a championship or at least put you in the in in a, a home court advantage situation where you're one of yeah. the top eight teams, right? And the average player doesn't anywhere come close to that. The next group, even the all-stars, look at the all-star team. I mean, Andrew Wiggins was a starter. You know, whatever, we could debate how that happened. But like, you know, Julius Randle was an all-star last year. Like there's a there's the LeBrons, uh, there's Giannis, Embiid, Jokic. We could talk about who, and I'm, I'm not listing, I'm not, yeah. someone's, oh, he didn't say Katie. I'm not, it's not my point. I'm not making a list right now. But uh, like controlling or, or preventing that would be what the owners are going to come together and say, yeah, we got to find a way to solve it. But again, it's it, it goes back to this issue of like, if players aren't going to follow the rules, like they made it so you can't publicly demand a trade. Okay, fine. So you don't publicly demand a trade, but you still demand a trade. And you're just not saying it to a, someone in the media. Or if you are, then you're willing to accept the fine. And, and if you're making that kind of money, then you the fines the fine is fine. You know, it's like, who cares? Like I could afford 50K or whatever it is, uh, you know, to make a trade demand if that's, you know, what I need to do to, to get from point A to point B. So th- there is no solution. As far as the timing issue, like, you know, I've done more and more consulting for agents and, and I work with some teams a little bit and kind of guide, you know, some of the you know, help with CBA matters and, and understanding and really strategy. And like it, it boggles the mind when you start to get into it and see like, man, this stuff is really worked out way ahead of the legal window. It just, that's just standard practice. So, you know, my, there's been some, you know, I, I know Mike Zarin has put forward with the Celtics has put forward the idea of moving free agency before the draft. Uh, you know, that that's more logistical because you don't know who to draft sometimes because you don't know who you're going to get in free agency. But there's a push to, to for teams to solve that. Like that's why they're negotiating before the draft to figure out who they get in free agency. You know, I spoke to one executive who flat out told me like we we agreed to sign this guy, then we ended up acquiring a pick and we got someone else who played the same position, but we weren't going to renege on the deal. So we basically had someone we didn't need, and we we followed through on it because that's just the kind of organization we are. We're not going to you know, back out of, of an agreement. I'm like, <laughs> I, what, I wonder, I wonder what team that is. Uh, well, I, I have a guess, but we want. We, yeah, we, please don't. We, we won't get we won't speculate yeah, yeah. here <laughs> i there's i could probably come with five that like match that but like it's just the nature <laughs> of it and so um to me like the, the the line is really the draft lottery like that's that's the moment that teams know the order that that everything's going to happen if you're uh, the ninth pick and you jump to number one that's going to in this particular draft uh, maybe there's a couple of big kids uh, who are going to be at the top of the draft maybe and so now you know you're going to get one of those two big kids and now you don't go after maybe you don't make a run at a deandre ayton or uh you know, mitchell robinson or uh, mo bamba or whatever you know what i mean like you're going to know like okay we have center worked out because you know we're going to get chet Holmgren, whatever um et cetera, et cetera. um uh, so i think you could you could argue well why not make the you could say well why not just make it so after the the a team season is done because that's when you can start to trade now you could also talk to free agents but the challenge there is that not every team is free to do so. So you have a disadvantage by being in the playoffs. Uh, and, and the teams that go to the finals have the biggest disadvantage because they can't start negotiating until yeah. you know, like a week I, before the I would draft. say you do it the opposite. I think you can talk to the guy when his team's season is done would be my, would be my way of doing it. Uh, 
if you were going to approach that there are issues with that too but that i would say do it when the play because the whole point of tampering is like all right you're messing up this team's season because the guy's got one foot out the door which he probably does anyway but at least you know at that point you make it legal to make contact with the guy once he's about to be a free agent i mean you sure. just still have issues with like you know guys who are going to be uh you know their options and stuff like that but if they were going to do it that way i think that would be right. my and, approach and policing it becomes again it becomes an issue so uh you know, at at Sports Business Classroom, we had um, Kiki Vandewey, who was running that you know basketball operations with the, for the league at that point, and and he he spoke to our students and kind of workshopped like how do you solve these kind of issues, and he really listened, um, and really it was a really great presentation because it, it wasn't like this is he he workshopped and let the students come up with the solutions and sort of batted around why they work and why they don't and in unintended consequences and following through. Well, if you do A, well then what if B, C, and D, and, and then you end up back in A and, and but the league ended up ultimately verbally saying like we're going to come down harder but then when they actually punished the heat and uh, for the lowry tampering thing or they punished the bulls for an agreement with lowry like they took away a second round pick which is like okay i mean that that's not nothing but second round picks are disposable and if you said you wanted to make a trade and you had to do all these trades and they had to send one more second round pick to get lowry or one second round pick to get lonzo they're, they're gonna say yeah we'll still make that deal so it, you know the punishments i don't think the league i, I think it's closer to what you suggested which is like they're they're strong enough to say don't do this or we're going to punish you but we're really not going to punish you we're going to turn a blind eye uh but i do think it it, it it it's nonsense like what we have like by july 1st everything is already worked out for a certain number of free agents obviously role players and certain guys maybe one or two guys maybe a restricted guy you won't know the answer until you know whatever after the moratorium etc uh, but there's just no it, it the system it, itself doesn't really make sense as written because no one follows the rules all right well if you want to learn more about what those rules are sports business classroom is an awesome place to do it eric and i have been working on that uh, since 2016 i won't be able to be quite as involved this year because uh, i'm going to uh, have some family obligations but uh i will still be i'm sure poking my head in a little bit and eric will be one of the primary instructors so tell people why they should join sports business classroom at the nba summer league this year well, if you're interested in a, a position somewhere in the world of basketball, be it in the NBA, uh, with an, an agent, uh, in the G League, uh, I mean, a, any aspect, uh, we're embedded in the actual gym where the games are played. Uh, we're partnered with the NBA. Uh, the people, Warren Legary and Albert Hall, who actually created Summer League, own and run Sports Business Classroom. And so uh, we have three different majors. Of course, the one I prefer is Salary Cap. Uh, but we also do scouting video and analytics and we do media and broadcast and we you learn a little bit of everything you we get you get help with your resume uh, we help you network and really the heart of it though is that we help people get jobs and we take it really seriously because like none of us who do this this is not like our only thing this is kind of something we do out of love out of passion for it uh, and so we really actively help people get jobs I tutored one of the students after and now he's working for the Nets as one of their cap guys uh, we just play somebody uh, with the Boston Celtics. Two of our, our former students are actual GMs of G League teams. Uh, 
the capital city go-go and the, the Capitanes. Capitanes? I don't know. My Spanish isn't great. Uh, but some people work with, like, Jeff Siegel works with Clutch. He took our Clutch Sports, the agency, LeBron's agent, uh, Rich Paul. Uh, he, he took our class. Uh, we Bottom line is we help people get jobs, and they actually get jobs. And when people see on the resume uh, that you've been to Sports Business Classroom, because we're in the industry, because people know Larry, Larry Kuhn, they know me. They know, of course, Albert and Warren and, and all the people involved, Nate and, and some of the great people. They look at that resume and they're like, oh, cool, because let's be honest, like we're going to sell out and we're going to turn away students. That's going to happen. And so, you know, I don't come on here to talk to Nate to like, we're not trying to beat the bushes to make sure enough people sign up. We want to make sure we get good quality students who are going to actually be the kind of people we can get behind and, and really try to help get a, a job. And we, we've had great success, Nate, from, from, of course, people who listen to your show because they hear about it. And it, let's be honest, if you're listening to Nate's show, you're probably really into this stuff. I don't think Nate gets a lot of casual fans. I could be wrong. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're not like a casual listening show and that's great. You know, I'm more of a detailed minded person as well. That's, you know, we have similar interests. So if you were listening to the show uh, and you're thinking, you know, I've, I've really would love to make this, this jump, but I don't know how to get started. This is like the best way to do so. And I, I say that in all earnesty, uh, is earnesty a word? I don't know if it is. Um, but I, like, I keep in touch with my students. Uh, some of them work for, for me with uh, Sports Business Classroom. We've been producing some content so I can get them some written material out so that they can start to build up that resume or that portfolio. Uh, I go to Clipper Games and like Adam Doe's their uh, former student uh, who's with the PR department there and we hang and we just hung at the last game and, and had dinner together. So it's, it's a great community. Uh, like I said, it's a labor of love and uh, Nate, we've been doing this a long time and it's always, it's always a blast. I, I, if you're not there as much, I'll, I'll do my best to pick up the slack, but it's, it's always fun uh, <laughs> going through all that with you. Well, uh, yeah. And the one thing I can add to what Eric said is you're going to make some awesome friends as well, you know, in this week long uh, immersive experience where you meet fellow basketball dorks uh, like yourself. So that, that's another advantage uh, of this as well. Eric, thank you so much uh, for joining us and looking forward to having you on uh, again so we can nerd out uh, even more. All right, Thanks again. Thanks for having me. All right. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 